to the First Baptist Natchez podcast. I'm your host, Matt Martin, and I have in here with me today in the studio, Mr. Chandler Key. Say hello, Chandler. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm glad to be here, Matt. You're the, you're the best host that this podcast has ever had. <laughs> the only podcast host. Well, that's beside the point, but you are the best. <laughs> Technically, that would make you the worst, too, but we're not going to focus on that. You're the best one that we've ever had. Uh, just in case you don't know Chandler Key, he has one of the best senses of humor I've ever met. So witty. I used to have a really great sense of smell, but I, I don't have that anymore. Um, it's it's uh, it's it's not working all that great anymore. But um, I, I have a great sense of eyesight, too. Um, when it comes to playing golf, I actually I can I can spot a golf ball in the woods really, really quickly because I have a lot of practice doing that. So I have a lot of, I have a lot of good senses. So I appreciate the sense of humor. Six cents. I got gotcha. you. Not dead people, but humor. I understand. Well, your your eyesight's probably better than mine, but I do I do play the same golf as you do. I like to shoot from the from the woods myself. I think it's too easy to hit your ball out of the fairway like well, everybody else does. Tiger's last name is Woods, and so I figured if he's the best, then I need to be in the woods. I understand that. That that makes perfect sense. Well, we, we've got an uh, exciting show today. We are uh, just, as you have uh, heard some of the past interviews, we've interviewed Jason, we've interviewed Suzanne, and now we're up to Chandler and interviewing him and kind of giving us a little bit of background, maybe some of his testimony about how he came to know Christ and his call to ministry. So Chandler, why don't you just kind of go ahead and kick us off uh, telling us a little bit about your testimony, coming to know Christ, growing up, and then you can kind of transition into, into your call to ministry. Yeah, so I grew up in church. I grew up in a Christian home, and my parents were extremely involved in church. Um, I, we were there. Me and my family were there every time the doors were open. Um, I loved being there. I loved church. I loved church activities. Anything to do with church, I enjoyed it. And I and I think, um, I don't know this, obviously, there's no way to really prove this, but looking back, I think that that was God preparing me for ministry. I really do. I think that um, that God designed me to love Fellowship and love the, and love the church. Um, that's exactly what the church is: is, is a gathering of God's people. And so, uh, so from an early childhood, I, I loved being at church. I really, really enjoyed being there. Mm-hmm. And I was aware of the gospel my whole life. I mean, that was there was never a time that I remember that I did not know that I was a sinner and that Jesus had come and died and He came back to life and that He had saved me from my sins or He had saved the world from from the world's sins or individual people from right. sins. I don't ever remember a time that I didn't know that. However, um, when I was growing up, that was just a fact that I knew. Um, I think that as Satan does so well, um, he used something really, really good for for evil. And uh, and so my involve, my over-involvement in church, which was certainly not a bad thing, uh, my over-involvement in church, Satan used that to twist to use for evil. And so, so I was used to the gospel and I wasn't, I didn't even... And from my heart knowledge, know the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so anyways, I, growing up in church, um, I, there was never a time I didn't know that. But I, I had a really difficult time changing that to a, from a head knowledge to a heart knowledge kind of idea. And so, um, so anyways, when I was when I was fourteen, uh, my family had a had a terrible tragedy um, where my, my younger cousin was five years old. He, he was getting off the school bus, and this guy it just made a mistake and passed the school bus and ran him over and killed him. Oh, and, and he was yeah. five. And, and so, so anyways, I was, I was 14 at the time and mm-hmm. I wasn't saved. And you can imagine the, the tragedy experience that that the tragic experience that was for me right. and my family. And um, anyways, we, 
Um, very soon after that, God really opened using that experience. God opened my eyes to the the urgency of the gospel. Um, and so for years, what I'd been putting off that I knew I needed to get baptized, I, I knew those things. And that was not foreign to me, but but I knew that. And through that experience, God used, uh, similar to the opposite idea of what I was saying earlier, God used what was an evil and, and just horrible, horrible event um, God used for good. And so God drew me to himself through that. And so, um, so anyway, so that was Really, how I came to know Christ was um, I, I kind of knew him the whole time. However, I got to really know him um, after that tragedy, and, and I really realized the urgency of the gospel. Wow, I, that is a um, a phenomenal testimony there to know and talk about Christ and how that that story impacted you in your life. So, so you become a Christian. You um, y- you were a student at Hillcrest Christian School, right? And then. Tell us a little bit about your call to the ministry as far as like uh, you went to uh, uh, my alma mater, uh, Brother Doug's alma mater, Mississippi College, go Choctaws. And uh, tell us a little bit about your call to ministry. So I actually went to two of Brother Doug's alma maters because Hillcrest was, was where he graduated from. It wasn't Hillcrest at the time, a different name, but uh, but but they were the McClure Eagles when he mm-hmm. went there. But mm-hmm. but I, I so I've actually, I guess, kind of followed Brother Doug everywhere. I guess I, I went to Hillcrest and then Mississippi College. But um, but yeah, so when I went to Hillcrest in the eighth grade, um, that was the same year that my cousin Nathan had died. And so so God really that eighth grade year was a complete change of my whole world. Um, I became a Christian. I was in a new school. I was in a new Christian school. So I was in a completely new environment. Um, I, I, was, I had new friends, knew everything. And so at that point in time, um, God really taught me that it, or God gave me a unique opportunity where my whole world was able to change at one time. And so, so that was really cool. That was a, that was a really, that was a cool God thing. And so um, during that time, eighth, ninth grade, um, I was a new Christian, new friends, new life, new everything. And so um, I really got the, the cool opportunity to figure out what it was like to be a, a genuine Christian. That was my whole thing. I wanted to be a genuine Christian. I didn't want to hide anything. I wanted to be who I was at all times. That comes with good and bad, um, as, right. as as you know, because you know me well. Mm-hmm. That, um, that 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 can be good and bad. But however, you know, um, as I learned to do that, um, I realized that that was a little bit different than a lot of other people. Um, not not making me better than them, certainly, but but that was just different. And so um, I fell in love with being known as the Christian guy. I just fell in love with that. I love that. I love that reputation because I needed the accountability. I enjoyed the accountability. Um, and so, so fast forward to the 10th grade, I had the opportunity to, to speak in a chapel at Hillcrest. And, um, I, I quickly realized that's what I wanted to do. I, I vividly remember getting done. Um, it was a short, short, I don't remember how I got that opportunity, but, um, it was kind of a shorter thing. It was maybe 10, 15 minutes lesson and it was probably terrible i can imagine but as many of our first lessons are <laughs> yeah I, I, i'm glad there's no recording of that i'm sure it was awful but um but anyways I, after that i remember getting done i said you know this is what i want to be doing I, I i cannot imagine doing anything else but teaching uh people about jesus that's that's what i want to do i want to tell them about jesus um and so so you know that 
sort of developed um, into a call to ministry over the stretch of the next year or two. Um, I had had a guy that's that's really kind of a father in the faith to me, Paul Epperson, um, who who many of our church members know and you know um, that that he's he's been here at this church. He's actually was my connection to this church from the from the very start. But um, but Paul really taught me how to walk as a Christian, how to be a minister of the gospel and how to evangelize and how to love people well. Um, Paul really taught me a lot about that as well. So um, it's really starting in the, in the 10th grade. It's where my call to ministry really began. Um, and so that that obviously moved on to, to to college and now seminary. Yeah. And tell a little uh, tell our audience more about about seminary. What are, what are you studying there and and what are you doing? So um, I'm a student now at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary in Wake Forest, North Carolina. Um, I had a, a football coach of mine named Josh Horner, who's now a church planner in Boston. Um, he he was my, my football coach at the time, and he was really struggling with a call to ministry, and he, he believed that God wanted him to go to ministry. And so he went to Southwestern in Fort Worth. Well, um, when he he and I kept up and we were we were pretty close and and he recommended Southwestern of course he was going there but he said you know I, I'm meeting a lot of guys from Southeastern and they really they love the school they I can't hear anything bad about the school I never heard of Southeastern and mm-hmm. so so I started doing some research and um, me and Destiny went on a visit and on the way home we we said all right well let's make a pros and cons list because. We didn't like the idea of moving a thousand miles away to yeah, Wake Forest, but um, we, we couldn't come up with very many cons outside of we just don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so anyway, so we loaded up and we moved. And um, a- after getting there, and I didn't really know how seminary worked. I didn't really know how the majors or degrees or anything worked a whole lot. I just knew I wanted to go, and uh, and I knew I wanted to to further my education, my theological training. And so um, they have this deg- this track of a master divinity, um, which is Christian ministry. And so you basically do the core classes of a, of an MDiv and then the 12 hours outside of your core that you do, you really get to choose those classes. And I liked that idea because I said, well, that means I'm going to be able to really, this is a, this is a really flexible degree. I um, mean, I liked that idea. And so, so I've actually being in ministry and doing that have plugged as many counseling um, as many counseling classes I could into that, but, sure. but I've, I've gotten to do specific book studies and, and other classes like that. Youth, a youth ministry class last year, and so uh, so anyway, so it's it's been a really cool opportunity, a really cool degree that I, I've really really enjoyed. Good. Well, for our listeners who are listening, um, I thought you had to go to seminary and be there on campus to be in seminary. How are you able to be the youth pastor in First Baptist Natchez and then still be a seminary student in Wake Forest, North Carolina? Lots of patience. No, so uh, so Southeastern has really been sort of a cutting edge school in this, and a lot of the other schools have done this as well. But but Southeastern really um, was the first Southern Baptist Seminary to to do a fully online degree. And so what I do is um, it's the same classes, same professors that record classes that they have taught either in a classroom or sometimes in their office, but a lot of times it's classes, lectures from a classroom and they video and record those lectures and post them online. And so, um, so I watch those as if I was there. And so I I do the same, um, I do the same lecture, watch the same lectures, I do the same assignments as if I was there. And so it's fully online. Um, I have traveled up there once since moving here just because there there was a class that was there that I had I had to attend in, attend in person mm-hmm. but um but but other than that I mean my degree is fully online you know which is really cool and and 
one thing that I did not expect is a lot of my classes I share with people serving in missions across the world. Wow. Um, wow. I, I've, I just this past summer, I was in a counseling class with a guy in Turkey. And um, and, and man, just to, to be able to hear them being in missions and them being overseas and serving is being able to to get to know them over online and through the through the class and getting their contacts and be able to keep up with them has really been an an opportunity that I did not expect, but, uh, but it's been pretty cool. So, so there's people all over the world that are studying at Southeastern. So Natchez is, is relatively close when it comes to online students. Yeah. And, and the reason why I said that is because, uh, you, you just never know, uh, whether it's a student here in Natchez, maybe someone that is listening in college or somewhere and, and they may be like, I, I can't go to seminary. I, I, there's no way I can leave where I am to go. But, uh, today is the day that seminary has become so much more of available to people without having to actually go on campus. And now just about all, I'm pretty sure all of them do now, but the Southern Baptist seminaries, the six of them have some kind of online hybrid class where you can, or classes where you can actually stay where you are, have a job and still go get a master divinity or even like me who went to mid America and got a PhD and mine was a hybrid class. I had to go or hybrid degree. I just had to go for a week every semester, but it's very much doable for those who may be listening and feel God calling them into ministry. So you are our uh, youth pastor here at first Baptist church. So explain, you know, your philosophy of ministry, what are you doing to reach our community and reach our kids for Christ? So student ministry is is probably the most bizarre area of ministry in the church. And I say that obviously as a student pastor, I'm sure everyone would say that. But but even when I wasn't serving in student ministry, I still thought that about student ministry where um, it's it's a hybrid between children's ministry and adult ministry. So you have to find a balance between treating children like children because they are, in fact, children. Um, they would disagree with me on that. And I tell them that. Oh, they're teenagers. They know everything, Chandler. They know everything. But the funny thing is they know way less than they think they do. I know that's a surprise to all of our um, lovely listeners, but but teenagers don't know what they think they know. But um, they do know more than sometimes we want to give them credit for. So you have to find a balance between that. And so what I try to do, kind of my, I guess, philosophy to ministry would be um, to 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 minimize um, to minimize how much they realize that I'm guiding them. Minimize that. And so what they think and what they believe is that they're really kind of making decisions on their own. And, and I am allowing some freedom there. However, they don't know the boundaries that I've set before them. They don't know that. And so, right. um, so what I'm trying to do is prepare them within the confines of my boundaries, prepare them for the freedom they're going to have in a, sh- in a short two or three years. Some of them, I mean, right. some of them next year will have a freedom. They'll have the freedoms to be a, an adult out in the world and do what they want to do. And so, uh, so, so really my philosophy of ministry is allow students to, to be adults within the boundaries of still being a child. Right. That, and that, that can be so hard to do at times. Uh, I have, um, I've been a part-time student pastor, but not a full-time student pastor. And so uh, I have some experience with teenagers, but they have been so rewarding to just to because they, they can think deeply about the gospel. They can uh, contribute so many wonderful things to some conversations, theological conversations. And it's just so cool to see them learning and growing in the Lord. 
So as we kind of close this podcast, I, I mean, is there anything you've read? Are there any podcasts that you listen to? Is there any uh, websites, anything that you think would help with ministry or youth ministry in particular or anything that you kind of go to? Yeah. So right now, being in seminary, I have my I have all my classes that I have all sorts of readings of, of ministry stuff. But um, but outside of that, of the the academic world, I guess, um, you know, I try to try to lean on those books that uh, that that a lot that Lifeway recommends Um it, not necessarily student ministry books, but just ministry in general books. Um, I try to try to ask around and find other pastors. One of my some of my favorite blog websites um, is Desiring God, which obviously is that's is, a very good one. John Piper mm-hmm. and, and his guys, and 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 I love that ministry, and um, I keep up with a lot of their a lot of their blog posts. That's probably my primary um, primary resource that I use. However. Um, as cliche as it sounds, resources for student ministry, one of the best ones is the Bible itself. I know that sounds terribly cliche. No, I think that's um, a great answer. But, but, uh, but, but that really is one of the best resources because these kids are, like I said earlier, in a, a short few years, they're going to be out in the world and I'm not going to be in their life anymore. And I hope and pray that I get to be in some of their lives. Sure. But the truth is some of them, I, I'm not going to be in their life anymore um, it, on a very limited basis if I am. And if I can prepare them to study the Word, the Word of God, if I can prepare them to do that on their own independently, then I've prepared them for life, and I've prepared them to go out. And so, mm-hmm. um, so I would I would encourage parents of these students to do the same thing to prepare their kids with the Word of God and to send them out with the greatest weapon you could ever send them out with. Yeah, absolutely. I think so too. Even specifically, I think the book of uh, Proverbs is is a great book as well because of of just the writer Solomon writing to his son and maybe even more than one son, maybe to his children about these things that's going on. I think it's just a very helpful, practical book to read uh, together with your teenager before they go to college. And even if they're in college, read it with them too. But I still think it's really good. So uh, as we close, a couple more questions. These are for funsies. Uh, who's your favorite superhero? Matt Martin. Oh, you know, that's got to be one of the best answers I've ever heard. Well, when you have a thousand kids, you are a superhero. Thank you. Thank you for that. That's so that's so flattering. I, I, re- I want to change my answer. Melanie Martin. Uh, she's the real hero in the relationship. There's no way that I could do what I'm doing if it was not for her. She's the real superhero. Oh, we know. Oh, trust me. We know. We know. <laughs> Everybody and everybody listening is going, yes, we already know, Matt. Um, what do you do on your days off? What do you enjoy doing? All day, every day. Any opportunity I can get on the golf course, I'm there. And I love it because I, I sometimes I get to do ministry on the golf course. Sometimes I digress from my ministry on the golf course because the way that I'm playing. Because you're hitting it into the woods. Yes, I, but I try not to do that. <laughs> uh, no, I do enjoy golf. It's really not the game of golf as much as, as it is the fellowship and just being outside. Sure. Uh, And this last question is, uh, what is one thing that we may not know about you? Well, today, not the day that this is released, but the the day that we're recording this is National Coffee Day. And if you have never come to my house and had a cup of coffee with me, you're missing out. Um, I, I have coffee shipped to me from all around the world. I spend way more money than anyone you've ever known on coffee. Um, but I have all kinds of coffee gear, espresso, uh, espresso makers and, and all kinds of different uh, coffee makers. So um, if if you have never had a cup of coffee with me, then that's shame on you because there's always an open invitation. 
Well, good. Thank you so much, Chandler, for joining us on today's podcast. And we would like it if you would just like, rate, and leave us a nice review, whether it's on iTunes or Google Play or Spotify or wherever you're listening to us, or maybe it, it, uh, on our website at www.fbcnatches.org. On behalf of the church here at First Baptist, we love you guys. We're praying for you, and we will talk to you next time on our FBC Natchez podcast. One, two.